0: Good morning. I've got an interesting topic this morning has directly related to college and textbooks. I know when I was back in college many years ago, I didn't really think about the cost of textbook, but the 2019 Bureau of Labor Statistics says that textbook costs have increased 1,000% since the 1970s, and they have risen 88% between 2006 and 2016. With me today to talk about that is Dr. Carrie Miller, who is an instructional designer with IT Solutions here at Minnesota State University. Good morning, Carrie.
1: Good morning. Thank you so much.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you deal on a regular basis with textbooks and textbook affordability. I was shocked to see
1: 1,000%. Yes, that is a huge number. And when you compare it to the cost of living increases between uh, the 1970s and now, there is no comparison. It, textbooks have risen much much more than anything else including tuition which is probably hard for us to swallow so it's a a significant increase and a significant expense for many many students. Could you give an example
0: of how much per semester a student might on average pay for
1: textbooks. Absolutely. The average student pays about $500 to $600 per semester. Um, it can be more than that. Here at MSU, they actually pay somewhere closer to $300 a semester on average. But of course, that can vary by major or uh, by semester, depending on what classes they're taking.
0: And I know I have worked with students here at KMSU who have not bought textbook because they don't have the money for it. And then they've fallen behind in class. So th- it can be difficult for some students, especially if it's something
1: you really need. Absolutely. We know about that nationwide, about 36% of students are food insecure, meaning they don't necessarily have enough money to buy food on a daily or weekly basis. And sometimes those textbook costs can impact whether they can put gas in their car, or pay their rent, or buy food for the week, or maybe if they have children, even you know, buy their sports equipment or give them to their dance lessons or whatever it happens to be. So it can be a significant impact on their lives.
0: Well, I know there's something
1: that you are working with. It's
0: called textbook affordability and it's I guess it's kind of a program that you're you're doing through IT services or explain what you're doing to try and reduce the expense for students in terms of textbooks. Absolutely.
1: Well, a lot of uh, institutions uh, either colleges or universities are working on introducing what's called open educational resources on their campuses. And those are resources that are, we call them low to no cost. So they might not be free, but they're pretty reasonable. And they have a special copyright on them called Creative Commons. And those allow the works to be shared or revised or distributed. Unlike traditional textbooks, you're not supposed to copy them. You're not supposed to, you know, give them to your roommate, those types of things. So a lot of institutions are promoting these OER as a solution to textbook affordability. Here at MNSU, we are doing that as well, but we found that textbook affordability encompasses so much more. So we've partnered, and IT Solutions has partnered with library services to really focus on our resources that we already have. We have an extensive library collection and a lot of professors are finding that we actually have one-to-one replacements for their textbooks. So we might have it in the library collection. Makes it super easy for the students to just go to the library and either find it in the digital collection or uh, check it out from the library reserves. So it's a real easy step for the faculty to not have to revise their entire course, but still save the students significant amounts of money. On your
0: website, you have an MSU snapshot of how many courses actually require textbooks. It says 30% of the courses here at at MSU require no textbook, and 17% of the course sections require books less than $40, which I assume is considered inexpensive. It is. And 27% of courses require textbooks, include material from Maverick Textbooks Reserve and Library Reserve programs. And 25% of faculty have chosen OER, which you said is the Open Educational Resources. Resources. Okay, so trying to get the cost down, for students and maybe to a lot of people 300 to 500 dollar doesn't sound like a lot but what i remember back in college that would that would have been a half of a tuition for me for a quarter i think we were in quarters back then
1: absolutely It, it can be a huge expense and when you consider the fact that many of these expenses are for textbook rentals so they may not even keep the textbook at the end of the semester Um, it's essentially in some cases throwing the money away because they don't get anything after at the end of the semester for that.
0: so how does this work then the open educational resources could you give an example of a student who's in a class who might need to get a textbook
1: yeah absolutely so let's say uh... you're in a class and your textbook is really expensive or just more expensive than what you can Uh, Ford. There are several ways you might approach it as a student. You could come to the library and see if it's in the library course reserves shelf and you could check it out for a few hours or a few days at a time depending on the book and the, the need. There's also the Maverick textbook reserve which is bookstore and student government sponsored. They purchase the expensive textbooks and put those on reserve for folks so you could come check that out. You could also ask a librarian to help you search the digital collection to see if your your readings are in the ebook collection of the library. And if you really are struggling to find uh, some resources, then your advisor or uh, your librarian, or maybe even your friendly instructional designer could help you find some open educational resources that could supplement. And in that case, we would probably work with the professor to see if we're actually getting them the correct resources that help them. And then if you are a faculty member and you're interested in this or this this really speaks to you and you're looking to do something, then reaching out to your library liaison or, your, again, your friendly instructional designer would be a great start and we can help you find either library resources or open educational resources to replace your traditional textbook.
0: So all faculty are not participating then?
1: No, no. This is at will. This is We've run some professional development programs for the last six years for faculty to help them understand the problem, uh, to understand what OER are, and to help them find resources for their, for their courses. Because some of the courses, you know, when you get high up in the majors, they're very specific. There's not always a lot of resources out there in the open educational world. So we work with them to either publish their own materials or to uh, put together some materials or find again library materials. So we have more and more working with us every year and it's been really inspiring to see the amount of work that these professors are putting in for their students.
0: How long have we been doing this to try and reduce the cost?
1: We've been actively working on this for about six years now. Are we unique in that way, or do all colleges do this? Um, I don't know that all colleges do that, but it certainly is a, is a huge movement. There are a lot of systems that are doing this work, Maricopa Community Colleges, the SUNY system in New York, Georgia Community, Community Colleges. And our own min state is really taking it on as a priority, particularly for equity and student success. So we are not unique in that. And many, especially uh, universities, are tackling it as, as a higher cost. A are, there, are
0: there enough materials to go around? So, if you are eligible or you want to check into some of these, whether it's an ebook or are there enough books, or would, is it a point where maybe there's not enough resources so you'd end up buying it anyway?
1: There are. So, the the, oh. the great thing about most of these materials is that they're digital. So, the open educational resources anybody can access it, uh, any number of students at the same time. The library resources might be different and depend on the agreements we have with the publishers, and our librarians are really dedicated to working that out. So. If if your book doesn't have enough seats for your class full of students, they will see if they can work on that or find something that's very similar that has 45 seats or 50 seats or whatever it is you need. So there always are some some limitations, but the librarians are really dedicated to, to working around those if possible.
0: Do you know how many students
1: take advantage of this? I don't off the top of my head. I know we've been tracking our numbers for the faculty that we work with personally and the savings that they have made through their hard work and changing their readings, either to library resources or open educational resources. And the faculty that I have personally worked with, we've saved about $500,000 in, in costs. And for students? From, for students. Since six years? S- for six years. Wow, half a million. That's yeah. good. Yeah, and and the more exciting news is that the faculty that have just been doing this on their own uh, we're actually up to close to the million-dollar mark in textbook savings. So it's it's a big deal, and, and the faculty should be recognized for the hard work that they're doing. So we're chatting about this today. Are you hoping more faculty will take this on and say, we should do this too? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say come see us. We can make it as easy as possible for you to do this. Um, we have options for publishing your own material as OER. Now, what do you mean, options for publishing your own material? Well, let's say you've got, you're have a faculty member and you have all your lectures and you have all your written things that you give to students, but they're in separate, separate documents. Like we,
0: maybe making copies or something. Yep.
1: <laughs> or you've got one of those course packets that uh. you send to the copy shop. We can help you put those into uh, a compiled document and you can make your own digital textbook that you can offer for free to your students with that special copyright that allows it to be reused and remixed and all the kind of good things that OER do. I'm thinking the publishers aren't probably too excited about this. How do they make their money? <laughs> yes, they are not excited. They are trying really hard to create answers to this. And so we are seeing them do their their own answer to OER. They'll have some OER for select gen ed courses, the sociology, the psychology, the English 101s. They have some of those. But what we're really seeing is the integration of the what we call inclusive access. So here on our campus, we have first day access program, and that is the bookstore working with financial aid and the instructors to get students access to the book, a digital copy of the book from the first day of class, and that the cost of the book is charged to their student accounts. So the students don't physically pay for it, but of course it does come out of their financial aid or their scholarships or their pockets eventually so that's one of the ways that the publishers are addressing it and then the other way are programs like Cengage Unlimited where they get they're trying to get it's kind of a a, the more instructors that use Cengage the cheaper it is for the students because the students pay a flat fee and the more you know if they have five instructors using it then that fee lowers their cost they have one instructor using it, then it's a little bit more expensive. But it's sort of a subscription Netflix kind of model to to te- textbooks. And those are some of the ways that the publishers are pushing back a little bit.
0: Now, I see one of the examples on your site. It says, one small change. And I think this may be EEC. Is that what kind of? A-
1: That's the early childhood
0: education course. 620. And it says $97 textbook per semester. Mm-hmm. And so what is that What is that really telling me?
1: Yeah, so that was one of our instructors we worked with in our professional development programming. Her textbook was $97 cost for the semester, which isn't unreasonable, but she had enough students where when she changed it to a library resource, we found the exact same book in our library collection. They were able to make that available for all of her students. And over the course of three semesters, she saved her students $12,000. Wow. So... Even if your book isn't really expensive, a small change can make a huge difference. And well, even
0: 100 bucks for a college student can be quite a, a big deal.
1: Exactly. And if everyone is $100, then we start saving big amounts of money.
0: Well, it's great to see you guys are doing that. Is that something you're working more toward in your area?
1: Absolutely. We're really looking at this as a way to... Also increase equity, diversity, and inclusion, because with the open educational resources, you can edit them, you can bring multimedia in, you can allow your students to write and contribute and speak their own voices in, in with the materials. So there's a lot more freedom involved in using open educational resources. So we're approaching it from that perspective. And we're also working with the system office to support and promote their initiatives as well.
0: Are there future projects you're working on now that might be of interest
1: to our listeners? Well, we are we have an we're working together with the System Office and several other institutions on what's called an OTP grant, which is it's the Open Teacher Preparation Grant. The System Office got a large chunk of money from the federal government to create open educational resources for education programs. So, so this is
0: this free material for students.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So they're trying to fill a gap in the catalogue of open educational resources. And so we're working with some professors to create those materials, to promote them, to test them, to review them, all the kind of things that go into publishing educational materials. So that's one of the big programs we're working on in the next couple years. We're also working on encouraging faculty to create their own materials. So using, again, that publishing, if you don't find something in your field, let's make it. Let's let's get together and help you f- create this for your field. And then the last thing we're working on, which is probably less interest to your audience, is something called open pedagogy, which is working with your students to get them to create the materials and put their voices into the educational materials for other generations. Oh, so they'll, they'll actually have a part in this digital yeah. catalog Exactly. So they become authors of the material as they're learning. It's really exciting. That is really
0: exciting. I was just wondering if the the pandemic had any influence on this, being that more students had to, some of them actually, only online learning. So all of a sudden, instead of the
1: books, you're learning it online anyway. Absolutely. And we had a lot of students who left their textbooks at home when they went on spring break in 2020. And so the, the open educational resources might have been the only way they could get that information. And it's becoming more and more vital as we move to an online format that these materials are digital and affordable.
0: We've been talking with Dr. Carrie Miller, who is an instructional designer with IT Solutions here at Minnesota State University, talking about how we can save students money. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate the conversation.